Well, welcome to everybody at the Victory Conference. I am sure glad you're there, and I wish I was there. I really do. I miss you. Let's all find the first epistle of John. Would you do that? Now, for quite a few years, when I was a pastor at Michigan, I was pastor of the same church for 34 years. I had been told about the Holiness Conference. That was the old name, and I had an interest in it. And yet, for some reason, <clears throat> I found it challenging uh, to come over to Wisconsin at the end of February. Uh, maybe you can see the carnality in that. But I had trouble uh, making arrangements to get over here for that. But I finally did after hearing a few recorded messages. Very critical issues are brought up at the Victory Conference, and I hope you're paying close attention. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are at the Victory Conference for the first time. Of course, I can't see you, otherwise I'd have you raise your hand. But this is going to be quite an experience, and those of you who come more often, this is going to be an important one this year, so I'm really happy for you to be there too, and like I said, I wish I could be there. Now, we're in the first epistle of John, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. But um, I would like to be there. Right now, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. Don't you feel sorry for me? <laughs> I uh, have a long story. I won't tell any of it uh, that has put me so I'm not very stable on my feet, and I have a few other problems. But we were able to work out for me to be with you Uh by this means. I'm here, and my son, Pastor John Flanders from Clio, Michigan, is right behind me, making sure nothing goes wrong. So if anything goes wrong, it's his fault. Okay, would you do that? And if I say something wrong, it may be brain fog. Uh, brain fog isn't my main problem, but uh, I tell you what, it's a good excuse if I say something a little bit off the wall. But I don't expect to say anything wrong, and I'm glad you've got those notes. We're going to learn something very important, and it's perfect love. Perfect love. A little bit later, we're going to sing together the hymn Love Divine, All Love's Excelling by Charles Wesley. The Wesleys liked the term perfect love found in the passage we're going to read, and they called it Christian perfection. Now, don't think I'm going to teach some sinless perfection doctrine, but I'm going to teach something very important to living the highest level of the Christian life. And welcome. I'm glad you're sitting where you are. I'm sorry I'm sitting here, but I'm glad to be with you in this way. Now, the first epistle of John is really important and very good, very, very good. Written by the Apostle John. Uh, in his latter years, probably in Ephesus. And it was a circular letter. That's why it doesn't say to the Galatians or to the Romans. It was uh, spread around, and John was the uh, last one of the 12 apostles to li be living. That's why in Second and Third John, he refers to himself as the elder, just the elder, the old man. And... Uh, but it's a very, very important passage that actually is a commentary on John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Uh, very, very good. We'll get into reading an important passage in just a second. Find chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 7. Okay, are you hearing me? Okay, my voice is a little weird today, <laughs> so turn me up a little bit. 
Uh, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Now we're going to get back to that in just a moment. God's perfected love. I think studying the Bible, you probably know that the word perfect means complete. And perfect love is God's love perfected or completed. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Here we go. There's that word again. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now he's talking about the highest level of Christianity. The Christian life gone all the way to the top because his love is perfected in us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, take your Bible and go back to chapter 2 and see some references to this same idea about um, perfected love. Chapter 2. Uh, okay, let's see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. You ever had your Bible in front of you, but you can't find what you're looking for? There it is. Verse 4, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily the love of God is perfected, perfected, completed. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. First John makes a lot of reference back to the book we call the book of John, and uh, especially those chapters about the Christian life, chapters 15 and 16, a lot of reference there, including right here, and there's an explanation about what it is uh, for God's love to be completed, perfected, because that's the highest level of Christianity when you get to that level, and I pray that we'll all take a step up this week. Thank you, Father, for the Bible and for the way it talks plainly about things that are going on in our life, 
I pray that today we might uh, move higher in the love of God and that we might let the love of God take control of us in a more fuller way. Uh, Lord, may the love of God be felt in our churches. May the love of God be the motivator of our life. May the love of God make it so the presence of God is more real. And Lord, have your way in this important conference, especially on this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today there are gathered a great number of people that are there at Falls Baptist Church, Bonomini Falls. There's a small number over here in Juniata, Michigan, me and those helping me with uh, with this uh, sending of a uh, message to you. But also we have people around the country and in Canada who have tuned in to uh, to this. And uh, we, we expect that God has something in this session for absolutely every one of us. Now, we read a very important and thorough passage. And I want to show you five things. This isn't the outline for the whole uh, session. Five things you can see plainly in this passage about God's love. Christianity is essentially about love. That's basically what it is, about God's love. All right. And God's love works in our hearts through a definable pro progression. Did you know that? Go back to the book of John, chapter 15. John 15. You may know that the book of John 13, 14, 15, and 16 tells us about the Christian life from the lips of the master himself. But I want to read some important verses in John chapter 15 about God's love. Follow this. Uh, John 15, down to verse 9. As the Father hath loved us, me, said Jesus. That means God the Father loves Jesus. How long has the Father loved the Son? Of course, eternally. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Now the word continue is also translated abide. And abide in me is the phrase Jesus uses in chapter 15 about the true Christian life. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Now, there we're reading, and actually the verses later, also about the perfecting of the love of God. And uh, love in the world, the only real love is God's love. And it comes down from the Father to the Son, to us, and then to one another, all right? And when the love of God is perfected in me, then I love others, especially other Christians. That's what we're reading about. Christianity is essentially about love. God's love in our hearts uh, comes through a uh, definable progression that I just read to you. Number three, uh, when that progression is complete or perfect, the believer has full assurance and a holy life, which we have read about quite uh, thrilling. What we did read would be going on. 
Number four, a proper response to the love of God is to love him and to yield to him. Now, that's what um, Jesus Christ did with his father's love. The father loved Jesus. Jesus loved him and obeyed his commandments. It is, uh, it is love and yielding. When that progression is complete, the believer has full assurance in a holy life, including love for all, loving one another. Proper response to the love of God is to love him and to yield to him. And so the source of love is God himself. That's where we read those verses about uh, God uh, is love. And if we love, then God is in us. Uh, because the source of love, the only source of real love, is actually God himself. That's what we're finding out about here. Now, uh, the Wesleys especially saw that Christianity was about love. We hear about their teaching concerning Christian perfection, but they actually got Christian perfection out of uh, perfect love. That's where they got it from this passage. And uh, that was the concept that if I love God perfectly, if I got to the point where I absolutely loved him without any lack of love, that I would always obey his commandments. See, that's the idea that the Wesleys had, and that's what they Charles Wesley brought to us in this song, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. I think it would be good right now for us to hear that song, song or sing it. Uh, it was called Christian Perfection by the Wesleys. I don't use that term, but uh, the whole idea had to do with when God's love is complete in its work in the human heart, we will love one another, and uh, that will be the only kind of perfection we'll have in this life. Okay, are we ready? Is there somebody there trained or gifted to lead songs who can lead us in? Trained. No, no trained, probably. But, uh, let's okay. go ahead and do this, Will number you two. you introduce him and let him lead us in four stanzas of that song? I don't care what Number four, two in your hymnal. Like blue hymnal. Stanzas, if you will. He wants us to sing all four, I believe, is what I heard there. So let's sing that. Number two, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Let's go ahead and stand, get you a chance to stretch your legs for a moment. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, stir every trembling heart. Breathe, oh, breathe thy loving spirit into every troubled breast. Let us all in thee inherit, let us find that second rest. Take away our bent to sinning, Alpha and Omega beam, and of faith as its beginning, set our hearts at liberty. Come, Almighty, to deliver, let us all thy life. 
suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave thee. We would be always blessing, serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing, glory in thy Finish then thy new creation, pure and spot. Let us be, let us see thy great salvation, perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Now, uh, please uh, forgive me as I crudely uh, line up for you the, uh, uh, the advancement of God's love in our life to perfection. Okay. God the Father loves the Son. In response, the Son loves him back and and uh, uh, submits to him. Okay, absolutely submits to his Father. And in that response of submission to the Father, the Father loving him commands him to love me and all of us. And the Son of God loved us. And in response to that command, he gave his life to die for my sins. Oh. And now, uh, as that happens, as I receive his love, his love comes into me, and he gives me commands. The proper response to God's love, including the love of Jesus, is to love him and respond to him and yield to him. And he gives me commandments. I should keep those commandments out of love, out of love. And... Uh, in the keeping of those commandments, one of those commandments is to love one another, and I love you, and God's love comes from God to Father, to the Son, to me, to you, and then if you respond to that love, you'll love me back, and you will submit to me, and there may be issues between us, but you'll submit to me. That is, you will ask my forgiveness, you will yield to my uh, interests, yes, and then it goes, love one another, love one another, love one another. It goes back and forth. And that's called the love of God perfected. It's for God has come. God's love has come all the way down to the bottom. And I think this is in your notes. But you see, Christianity is not just about rules. As long as there's a God, there's going to be rules, especially the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible in the very first chapter tells us what he likes and what he doesn't like. He said it's good, meaning some things are not good. And because God has a point of view, there are always going to be rules. But you see, Christianity is not essentially rules, and it's not essentially beliefs or doctrines. There will be doctrines. As long as there is truth, there's going to be true truth, and there's going to be false doctrine. So yes, but it's not just beliefs. It's love. Have you ever noticed that in reading your Bible? Christianity is essentially love, 
like we read in John chapter 15, that it's really God's love coming down to me. First John chapter 4, where we're reading now. First Corinthians 13, where it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. If I can preach or sing or minister in some other way, it's just noise if it's not uh, based on love. And then chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, you can look that up later where it says at the end of 1 Corinthians that it's all about charity. It's all about love, all about love. And it's study your Bible. Then you remember in Revelation chapter 2, telling about how the church at Ephesus had fallen from its once high spiritual state. They had left their first love. Love. That was the problem. And remember that the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, love. And uh, so it's all love. It's all about love, not that syrupy, hard-to-define type of love we're being sold today, but the true love of God coming from heaven to my heart and from me to you. That's love. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is about love. And if we have revival, we come back to our first love. Second thing, the work of God's love is definable. Actually, we've defined it a few different times. Uh, the Father loves the Son. That's in chapter 15 of John. From eternity, uh, love could be defined as the emotional attachment between the members of the Trinity. Matter of fact, sometimes at Valentine's, pastors are called upon to preach on love. And the first thing to do is to define it, which is hard to do. What really is love? It's the emotional attachment between the persons of the Trinity. And it's passed down through those who submit to it, as we read in John 15. The son loves the father and submits to him. And I got passages there for you to read and remind you of that. Because of God's love for us, we ought to submit absolutely to him out of love, not out of pride, not trying to show everybody that we're perfect. But if God's love is at work in our hearts, we're going to love to him and we're going to submit to him. Absolutely. Yeah, because of God's love for us, we ought to submit absolutely to him. And it's out of response to his love. And uh, submitting to God, we obey his command to love one another. Of course, that's where 1 John 4 says the bottom line is. That perfect love is expressed when we love one another with God's love. That's the truth. That's the truth. Now, folks are going to tell you, we've got to deal with our love for God. So many times we look at details about our activity, about what we do, about what we fail to do. But what, what we can do better, but it's really an issue of love. See, the issue is we don't love God like we should. That's why we don't obey him. It's because we don't really love him like we should. We've got to come back to the issue of love. Because that's where Christianity really is. Yes. And, uh, Okay. And uh, that loving one another is brought up in John 15 as well as 
First uh, John chapter four, and we have those passages. I hope you'll go back and uh, study them also. Um, look at uh, chapter four of First John chapter four, and uh, find verse twelve. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. How is it that I have come to love everybody else? Here's how it happened. It is that God's love was completed in me on this whole progression. Wow, that's amazing. I look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And uh, so it's all about this matter of loving him and submitting to him and passing the love down from where I received it and I give it to somebody else. Uh, that's the whole thing of Christianity. Now, I want to ask you right there at the Victory Conference, where are you on this pattern of definable progress of God's love in your life? Where are you? Now, God does love you, but have you responded to him by loving him back and submitting to him? And uh, if you have, are you responding by seeking to obey him and please him? Has someone loved you with God's love? They submitted to God and it caused them to love you. Has someone in an unusual way shown you grace and mercy and love? What are you doing about that? Well, the proper response is to love them back and respond to them and submit to them and yield to them. That's right. And we must love one another. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Isn't that amazing? Uh, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That's where this peace is going to come from. That's how we're going to get rid of the torment and misery that we experience day by day by loving God and submitting to God's love. And that love might be coming to us through some to us, someone else. That's how that's done. The right response to love is love and submission. Let me make a suggestion that right now at the Victory Conference, your problem might be that you are not responding to God's love through someone else like you should. Uh, maybe what we ought to do right here on Tuesday is say, dear God, I want to thank you for this man loving me. And I haven't responded properly. And dear Lord, I want to pass the love of God down. And Lord, it's stuck with me. Because I don't love somebody like I should. He loved me. It was your love through him. And I'm going to love him back. And I'm going to submit to him. It might mean to uh, reconcile with him when you don't see that that would be absolutely required. Well, love and reconcile to him. Submit to him. The proper response to love is love and submission. So love him and submit to him. Because then we're going to have God's love coming down to our lives and to our ministries, to our churches, 
here comes God's love. Wouldn't that be wonderful if everybody could feel God's love? Sometimes it's not considered proper for Baptists to talk about feeling anything. But I'm going to tell you, we need to feel the love of God. And we get the love of God from above. And uh, sometimes it's not all the way up to God. Sometimes it's just up to the last person who showed love to us. You know what we need to do? We need to thank them and then we need to love them back and submit to them. That might mean to make an apology when we don't think that we really need to go the extra mile and uh, show uh, love in some sacrificial way that might be more than what somebody else would expect us to do. Oh, yes. Because God is the source of love. And you know, love is going to be the earmark of Christianity. And you know what? For a revival to happen among Christians in our day, there would have to be a new uh, anointing of God's love. This is how it happens. The reason I'm saved and the reason you're saved is that God loves us. That God's love was passed down through Jesus and through other people to us. We need to respond by loving them back and submitting to them. And there's something really that you could probably do today to get the love of God moving through you and down to the rest of the world. Yeah, that's what we ought to do.